Good morning. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak to you this morning. Um, I really felt that video was pretty impactful and a good idea of what worship isn't and what worship is. Um, so I am very sorry to inform you that Pastor Robert has been put on a one-week suspension due to that lame pastor joke he shared last week about wearing the plants in the family. Um, so you're stuck with me today. That's why I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> um, if you don't know me, my name is Hannah Yeager, and um, today we're going to talk about worship. Um, I want to say thank you to my brother, Micah, who was on bass today, and my sister-in-law, uh, Amanda, or also known as AJ. Um, she was leading us on vocals during worship today and did a fantastic job, so thank you guys. I always love when you guys come play with us. It's such an honor to have you here. Um, so worship is probably something that's pretty familiar to you, especially if you've been in church for quite a while. But people have different ideas of what they think worship should look like. But today we're going to talk about a few different aspects of worship. There's tons of ways to worship, tons of aspects of worship, but we're going to talk about a few that I feel like the Lord really wants to highlight this morning. So first, a little bit about me. Um, I'm originally from Troy, Alabama, um, just a couple hours from here, and I grew up in a very charismatic church. Um, I actually really credit my knowledge of worship and my experience with worship with growing up in that environment. I loved it. It's something that I'm really proud as part of my background. And I can remember growing up, worship was just a huge part of our service. It was a huge part of all of our lives, but it was we placed a lot of emphasis on worship. And there were times where I would invite my friends to church with me as a teenager, and after about 45 minutes, Jocelyn's nodding her head. <laughs> they look at you, and they're like, how much longer are we going to do this? <laughs> like, we've been up here for a while. But it was totally normal to me. Worshiping for an hour or longer every Sunday was completely normal. But it was awesome. We loved it. We were just seekers of the presence of God. That was what we wanted. That's why we came to church was just to be in God's presence. And it was good. And there were times where the pastor would come up to preach, and he would have no time left. He'd have like 15 minutes to do a sermon. And he was like, okay, well, the Holy Spirit just took over my message, and we'll just pick up with this next week. And he just rolled with it. But it was good. And our, our church had such an appreciation for the presence of God. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I grew up around that. Um, my dad, he always said this. And I don't know if this is an original Lewis Johnson quote or if he got this from another pastor. But he always said, God doesn't show up to church for the sermon. He shows up for the worship. And that always rung so true with me because it, it's true. He, God doesn't need the sermon. That part's for us. That's to help us grow. But he shows up for the worship. His presence is here for the worship. So um, our theme verse for this morning is John 4, 21 through 24. It says, but the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So we're going to keep coming back to that throughout the morning, but I want you to keep that in your heart. So why do we worship? Is God this egotistical? egotistical being who just needs to be worshipped. He needs to be told how awesome he is all the time. No, that's not what it's about. 
Worship is simply God's way of spending time with his children. It's the way that he shows us affection, and it's a way that we show affection back towards him. Think of it in terms of your kids. There is nothing better than when your kid just looks at you out of the blue and just goes, I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad, for no reason. They, they didn't ask you for anything. You didn't do anything for them. They just told you they loved you. And I feel like that's the same way with God. He just wants us to acknowledge him and just go, I love you, God. So that's what, it's, it's so simple. It sounds super simple, but that's what worship is. He just wants to spend time with his children. If, if we go back and look at that scripture, it's, it says the Bible, uh, the Bible says that God seeks worshipers. He wants those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Not the worship itself. He wants us. God is all about relationship, and that just further speaks to that. So let's talk about three reasons why we worship God. The first is to express thankfulness to God. Jeremiah 20, 13 says this. We thank you, O God. We give thanks because you are near. People everywhere tell of your wonderful deeds. So that's this illustration of all of the blessings that he has given to us, all of the things that he's done for us. Worship is a way to express thankfulness to God. Number two is to declare God's mighty power. The book of Psalms is full of worship songs, mostly written by David. And he's got one in Psalm 150, and it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. This is a declaration of the Lord's power. And his power works through our lives. So worship is a way for us to declare his power before we get the blessing and during the blessing. And the third, this is the biggest one to me, is just to be in God's presence. Psalm 1611, it says, You show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. I want to point out the joy of your presence. So when we're in God's presence, he brings joy. That's, it's such a sweet time with the Lord when we're worshiping him. Um, the Greek word for presence in this scripture is panim, and it actually means face. So when you're worshiping, you are actually coming before the face of God. Isn't that good? I love that. This is how we get the closest to God is through worship. That's how we come before his face. There have been times in worship where I've just weeped over the presence of the Lord. Not necessarily over my sin. I have done that before, but just when you feel the thickness of God's presence in the room, you feel him in the room, and you're just overwhelmed, and you just start to cry because it's so real, and I'm just blown away by the fact that Almighty God is spending time with me. Like, I can't get over that, and sometimes it just overwhelms me, and I just start to weep, and that's okay when you're in worship. This is a very intimate time with the Lord. So there are Lots of different types of worship, but we're going to go through just a few of them. The first one is song. This one we're really familiar with. We come to church every Sunday and we sing songs to the Lord. Psalms, the whole book basically is a song for the Lord. Um, the second type is dance. People get a little bit uncomfortable when you mention dancing in church. <laughs> but it is a form of worship. It's in the Bible. It's biblical. Um, Psalms talks about dancing throughout a lot of it. 
and David, we all know what he did. He danced in his underwear before God. So <laughs> don't be afraid of dancing before the Lord. Um, the third is musical instruments, another one we're not too scared of. Um, we do that on Sundays, and we have an awesome band that helps lead us into the presence. The fourth is shouting and declaring. You can shout to the Lord and say, thank you, Lord, for your mighty works. Psalms, in that scripture we read earlier, if you keep going and read the rest of that chapter, it talks about all of those. It talks about singing, dancing, and shouting. Then number five, I put more with a question mark because I believe that in heaven there's even more going on to worship God than there is here. We can't even imagine it. We have no idea. And we might not find out until we get to heaven. But the way I like to think of it is we're going to be worshiping for all of eternity. So we might as well get good at it now because you're going to be worshiping for a long, long time. <laughs> Did you know that there are actually seven different Hebrew words for worship? I love that. If you know me, I love languages. And when I learned to speak Spanish, it actually changed the way that I was reading the Bible. Um, it gave me an appreciation for how difficult it is to translate one piece of text from one, one language to another. Languages are not parallel. They never line up exactly. So it's very difficult to get a direct translation. But I think it was very strategic for the Lord to have the Bible written originally in Hebrew and in Greek because those are two of the most descriptive languages on the planet. They have seven words for worship. We have, what, two? Praise and worship, that's all I can think of. And they're actually not the same thing. So I think it was totally his plan for the Bible to be written in Hebrew and Greek because it gives us a better understanding. So when you're reading scripture, I encourage you, go back and look at the original Hebrew or the Greek. I used blueletterbible.org, and it, it gives you a Strong's Concordance translation. And you're going to get a much deeper meaning out of the scripture. So let me give you some examples. Okay, the first word for worship, barak, means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration. So this is actually kneeling in worship. So when we read a scripture that uses the word barak, it just says worship to us. So to us, that means coming to church and singing to the music. But that's not what the scripture was originally saying. It was saying, get on your knees. The second is yada, which means to throw out a hand to worship with an extended hand. Toda means an extension of the hand in adoration or acceptance. And this is also used for giving thanks for things not yet received. That's super cool to me. That's when we, we need a miracle. We need God to do something big in our lives. And we're saying, you know what, Lord? I'm going to praise you anyway before I even have this miracle. That's, Hebrew has the specific word just for that. That's toda. Uh, the fourth is shabak, which means to address in a loud tone, to triumph, glory, shout. This is that declaration that I was talking about earlier. The fifth is halal, which means to be clear, to shine, to boast, celebrate, be clamorously foolish. Who does that sound like? David, when he danced in his underwear. That's clamorously foolish, I think. The sixth is lamar, which means to touch the strings, to pluck the strings and sing along. So that's what we do a lot during worship, playing the guitar and singing. And my favorite is tehillah, 
This means to sing, to laud, praise that God inhabits. This is a spontaneous new song, singing unprepared songs. And we're going to go into this a little bit more later on in the sermon. But I think this is a type of worship that the Bible specifically talks about, but we don't give it enough credit. I don't think we use this enough in our worship, and I want to explore that some more. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between praise and worship. Those are our two little measly words that English has for worship, (laughs) but there actually is a difference. Praise mostly comes from an attitude of thankfulness. We want to demonstrate that we're thankful for God's goodness, his mercy, his grace, his power, his might, his blessings, and on and on and on and on. There's a lot that we can be thankful for, and praise is how we do that. Praise is uninhibited and joyful. It's a very happy form of worship. A lot of times in our church, too, we do the praise songs at the beginning of the set and the worship songs at the end of the set. I don't know why. That's not, like, in the Bible, but that's just kind of the way we do it. (laughs) And you don't have to. It just ends up coming out that way sometimes. So the first couple of songs we did, I will dance, I will dance, that is a praise song. Um. If we look back at that same uh, scripture in Psalms 150 and you keep reading down, this is a declaration of God's greatness. They're singing, they're playing instruments, they're dancing. This is joyful, uninhibited praise. And then when we look at scripture about worship, it's a little bit more reverent in nature. Look at Psalm 96.9. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. The Greek word for worship in this verse is shaka, which means to bow down, to prostrate oneself. To prostrate yourself just means to lay on your face, like on your stomach, totally on the ground. And it's an extremely reverent and honoring way to worship God. They talk about it a lot in the Old Testament. And then another scripture, Psalm 95, 6, says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our maker. And this is the same Greek word used in this scripture, shaka, to bow down, prostrate yourself. So can you feel the sense of honor in these scriptures? It's a little bit different than praise. But they're both still equally relevant. Worship is when you kind of get lost in adoration of who God is. In worship, you humble yourself, and you fully surrender to God. And you can do this alone or in a corporate setting. You can worship by yourself, just you and God, or in a corporate setting. So let's talk about that. Corporate worship versus individual worship. Corporate worship is what we do every Sunday morning. It comes with this sense of family. It comes with a sense of belonging. We are doing this together. This church has a strong sense of family. I'm so thankful for you guys. This morning, I walked in, and every single person that knew I was preaching this morning said, hey, I've been praying for you. And it was like 20 people. And I'm just so thankful that we have such a a close-knit group of people, and you guys care about each other, and you pray for each other, and you build each other up. So that's just a little freebie I wanted to throw in there. When we come together on Sunday mornings for worship, we are all laying down everything else that we could be doing on a Sunday morning and saying, My spiritual life is a priority, and so I'm going to be at church. And we're all doing that. We all have that in common. We could be watching football. We could be shopping. We can do whatever. But we're all here. 
we come together and we thank God for how he's moving in each of our lives. We share each other's burdens. We intercede for each other. That's a big thing for me. Coming to a church allows you to share your burdens with each other. You are not made to do life alone. You can be an introvert. You can enjoy your alone time. That's totally fine. But you're not made to do life completely alone. And so that's why we need a family around us. When you come to church and you can say, hey, friend, I'm going through this. Can you please pray with me? That's what this is for. Corporate worship is an essential part of the Christian walk. But let me say this. As important as corporate worship is, individual worship is even more important. The time you spend alone with God determines your relationship with him. Let me say that again. The time you spend alone with God determines your relationship with him. It's just like a husband and wife. If they don't make time to be alone together, their relationship is going to suffer. Life is busy. It's hectic. You've got work. You've got kids. And the kids are always home. It's like they never leave. But if a husband and wife don't make time alone a priority, they're going to slowly start to drift apart. And then it's going to be, oh, my goodness, we're just roommates now. You're just living next to each other. You're not doing life together. You're just living next to each other. That's not what we want. And I think it's the same thing with God. If you don't make time alone with him a priority, you're going to slowly start to drift away. We don't want to do life side by side with God. You want God to be totally in your life all the way. I always end up comparing my relationship with God to my marriage or to my kids, my relationship with my daughter, plural, daughters now. <laughs> and I think that's so, God did that on purpose. The whole reason that he allows us to find a spouse, to find the person we want to spend the rest of our lives with, is because the way you feel about that one person is just a fraction of the way God feels about you. It just gives us just a little taste of how God feels about us. Same thing with having children. I did not know what motherly love was until my child was born. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is a totally new kind of love. But that's why the Lord gives us the ability to have that kind of love for children. Because the way you feel about your child is just a little taste of the way he feels about you. These things illustrate God's love for us. It reveals a part of God's nature that we can physically experience. So individual worship can look different for different people. You can sing to God in your car while you're on your way to work. You can dance at home after everyone else has already gone to bed. I do that. <laughs> Chad might hear some, like, jumping going on when he's trying to sleep. That's because I'm dancing. <laughs> you can read the word. You can create. You can write. You can paint. Whatever. Just do something just you and God alone, just the two of you. And I encourage you to experiment with different types of worship. That's a scary thought for some people. If you're not a dancer, you don't like to dance, just try it at home when it's just you and God. Nobody else is watching you. And I promise God's going to love it. It is very unlikely that you're going to reach new levels of worship in a corporate setting. The way you get to deeper levels of worship with God is through individual worship. Time just you and God. Why? Because as much as we hate to admit it, we care about what other people think. 
And I don't want to be like that. I want to be like, I don't care what anybody thinks, but it's not true. You have these little thoughts. You're in a room with 100 people worshiping, and you have these little thoughts that creep in the back of your mind like, oh, man, am I supposed to be raising my hands? Is this that kind of church? Or maybe I should put them down. Oh, I'm feeling some dancing coming on. Oh, no, people are going to judge me. They're going to judge me. I'm not going to do that. You have these little thoughts. And, I mean, they're, they're pretty innocent, but it's still hindering you from getting to that deep place of intimacy with the Lord. So where do you do that? At home, by yourself. Get comfortable there, and then you'll be com- comfortable in that type of worship in a corporate setting. Don't neglect individual worship. Individual worship is where God speaks to you the most. So if you feel like you're not getting any revelation from God, you're kind of in a dry season, he's not speaking to you, it could be because you're not getting in his presence enough for him to talk to you. We get so busy. We have to quiet our minds and just come before the Lord and let him speak. Sometimes there are moments in worship at the end of a song Most of the time, the singing has stopped, and the musical instruments are still just playing softly. This is not the time for you to check your phone. It's not the time for you to start making lunch plans. Hey, you want to go to Rio Bravo? That kind of thing. This is a very strategic moment in worship, and it's a wonderful opportunity for the Lord to speak to you. You'll notice in Psalms, all of these worship songs that David wrote, a lot of times at the end, it'll say the word Selah. And a lot of Bible scholars believe that this means to pause or to reflect. So you're singing the song that you've got the words to, and you're thinking about those words. And then at the end, you just stop. Just listen. Just listen to the, what the Lord's going to say. And then in Psalms 43, it talks about singing a new song. This is that Tehillah type of worship we talked about earlier. This is a spontaneous song, singing unprepared song. There is a place for it in the church, and I don't think we take advantage of it enough. I believe that the Selah moment, the pause and the reflection, and the Tehillah, sing a new song, could go hand in hand. So these moments at the end of worship, at the end of a song, nobody's singing. This, the worship leader might say something like, sing out in your own words. People freak out when you say that. Don't freak out, okay? This is the Tehillah type of worship that the Bible talks about. So what we're actually asking you to do is stop thinking about the words that are on the screen and stop thinking about what's going on around you and just rest in the presence of the Lord. Listen to what he's saying to you. Open your mouth and sing whatever comes out. That God's going to reveal some new things to you, and his words are going to flow out through you. Whatever you do, it could, be, it could be something as simple as, Lord, you're holy, holy, holy. Lord, I adore you. Lord, I praise you. It can be simple stuff like that. Or God might give you something new that he wants to speak through you. It may not even be words at all. It could just be a little tune that he puts in your head. Whatever. Just don't overthink it. Give him the opportunity and be obedient and see what comes out of it. I know this is challenging for a lot of us. I know, I understand that not everybody comes from a charismatic background like I do, and that's okay. But I want you, I'm not doing this to embarrass you. I'm just, I want you to get to those intimate levels of worship with God. That's my goal. That's my heart. I just want you to be closer in relationship with the Lord. And sometimes we just need a little push. 
outside of our comfort zone to be able to do these things. I have heard the Tehillah worship in a corporate setting a few times. And I tell you, it is the most beautiful thing you've ever heard. It's amazing. You hear people singing in different keys. Some people aren't even singing in a key. It doesn't matter. It's a beautiful sound because it's what the Lord is speaking to each person in the room, expressed in words and expressed in music. And I just, I can't explain it. And I want us to experience it as a church. So we're going to try it later, the end of the service. So don't freak out. Just be, just be obedient. And let me say this. This is a very safe place. Nobody in this church is going to say boo to you for the way that you worship. I promise. So be obedient to what the Lord tells you and just watch what comes out of it. I want to share a story with you about something amazing that came out of a worship experience that I had. And because I was obedient, this thing came out of it. It was almost two years ago, the Lord laid it on my heart to pray for this couple uh, that Chad and I know who'd been trying to get pregnant for a really long time. And they'd given me permission to share the story, so I'll tell you their names. Their names are PJ and Kelly. And um, one night I was laying on the couch praying for them, and the Lord said, get up and dance prophetically over them. And at that time, I had just had a baby. I did not feel like dancing. I hadn't danced in over a year. I am a dancer, so dance is not an unusual thing for me to do during worship. Um, I grew up taking dance classes, and then I did this Christian dance thing in Texas for a little while. Um, but at that time, I did not want to dance because I had just had a baby. It had been a really long time. But I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. So I get up, and I start dancing, and everybody else was asleep. Um, but this movement started coming out of me, and it, it was like the Lord was forming a baby in a womb. And I was like, well, that's cool. So that, that was it. I, I stopped dancing and, and oh, no, nope, sorry. On that same occasion, after I finished dancing, the Lord said, okay, now just pray. And so I laid on my face, prostrate before the Lord, and I just started to weep. Like, it just came out of nowhere. And I felt the pain of what it was like to not have this child. I felt the pain of the child's absence. I felt exactly what the wife, Kelly, was going through, that longing for a baby. And I didn't know what that felt like before then because what, when I got pregnant with Monica, it happened really fast, and I didn't have to have that longing feeling, but I felt what it felt like, the real thing. I've never cried that hard in my life. And what was happening was the Lord was letting me intercede for Kelly. He was saying, this is what she's going through. Now pray. And all of a sudden, this peace just washed over me, and I stopped crying, and it was over. And that was all that happened that night. A few nights later, a couple weeks later, um, I was praying for them again. And the Lord opened my eyes, and I saw a vision. And this does not happen to me. I don't give visions very often. It's probably happened like twice in my whole life. So when it does, I really pay attention. So he showed me that PJ and Kelly were building a house. And they were giving me a tour of their house. It was all done. And we're walking through living room, dining room, all that. And they take me into this bedroom. And it's a baby boy room. It's a nursery decorated for a baby boy. And I was like, oh, man, I, should I tell them this? Like, this is kind of a big thing. Like, you don't want to say, you're going to have a baby boy. And then it wasn't God talking. It was just your emotions. 
but I felt I prayed about it for a few days, and I, I really felt the Lord say, you need to tell them. So I told them, and Kelly texted me back right away, and she goes, whoa, you're the second person in the last couple of weeks to tell us that we're going to have a baby boy. I was like, whoa, yes, thank God it was you. <laughs> Today, two years later, there's a baby boy in their home. Praise God. There is more to the story, and I wish I could tell you the whole thing, but I'm not at liberty to tell you everything. But I'll just say there has been confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that this boy was meant to be in their home. Oh, and I left this part out. When the Lord gave me the vision and I saw the baby boy room, he said, if you build a room for this boy, I will place a baby in that room. And he did. There is a boy in that room right now. So I truly believe that that experience came out of my obedience to the Lord during worship. That night when I was praying for them and he told me to get up and dance prophetically, I could have said, Lord, I don't feel like it. I am not in tip-top shape. I just had a baby and I don't want to dance. But I did it anyway. And then look what came out of it. I had this amazing vision and I told my friends about it and blessed them and gave them hope in a situation where they didn't think they had any hope left. I just, I love the Lord. I love what he does out of our obedience. You're obedient to him. You watch him honor you. You honor the Lord, and he will honor you. So why do we worship? How do we worship in spirit and in truth? Let's look at Mark 7, 5 through 8. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right about you when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, ouch, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Some of you may... um, already know that Jesus was quoting scripture from Isaiah 29, 13. And I love when he does this because it really helps me connect the dots between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So Isaiah, hundreds of years earlier, was prophesying about these very people that Jesus was talking to, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees placed more value on their age-old traditions, which were not given by God, that's what the scripture says, than they did on the word of God. Because of this, they weren't worshiping out of truth, but out of tradition. Some of you may have experienced this before. I have. Maybe when you're a kid, your parents forced you to go to church because it was the right thing to do. It's good that you're in church, but and maybe that's the foundation that you needed to encourage you to, to go to church when you got older. But the Bible says that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So basically, God is saying it's not good enough to just go through the motions. It's not good enough to just go to church and praise you, Jesus. Like, you got to mean it. It's got to mean something. You've got to worship with your whole heart, not out of tradition, not because it's the right thing to do, not because grandma's making me go to church, but because God is who he is. Because of his blessings, because his mercies are new every morning, because he's God. That's why we worship. So three takeaways. 
three ways that you can worship in spirit and in truth. The first is make time for individual worship. We talked about corporate worship, super, super important. I believe individual worship is even more important. This is where you get to those deep levels of intimacy with the Lord. And I'm preaching to me too. I'll be honest with you. I don't, I'm not good about worshiping every single day at home, but I want to get better. And I, that's what I want for all of us. Number two, lay everything else aside during corporate worship and remember that it's not about you. It's not. I mean, if we keep that our focus when we come to this church to worship on Sunday mornings, then that's going to get rid of the fear. That's going to cast out the fear that we have of, oh, I don't think I should raise my hands. Oh, I don't think I should dance. Because it's not about us. It's about God. It's about what we can offer him. And the third one is remember that obedience brings revelation. The Lord asks you to do something in worship. Do it and watch him honor you. Obedience brings revelation. It brings, it brings all kinds of stuff. Just do what the Lord is asking you to do. Okay, so keep that in mind when we practice this Tehillah worship in a few minutes. This is that spontaneous new song. You just listen to the, what the Lord says, and you just sing whatever he tells you. Even if it's, God, you're holy, holy, holy. That's what the four living creatures are singing in heaven. If they can sing it, you can sing it. God will honor you if you're obedient to him. And that's my prayer for you is to experience this deep level of worship every time we worship on a Sunday morning, every time you worship at home, just to get closer and closer to the Lord. Thank you so much for letting me speak to you this morning. I love you guys. That was awesome. That was awesome. A couple of quick things I want to say to you, and then we're going to pray and we're going to worship. But the first thing I want to say to you is, sometime back, there, there was a moment where I, I just felt prophetically that, that Hannah was supposed to speak. Uh, and I mentioned it to her, and we talked about it, prayed about it. God opened that door. She was a little nervous about it, but how many of you know she nailed it first time, right? <laughs> but it made me think of a verse, and I want to share it with you real quick. In Ephesians chapter 3, there's a very familiar verse. I'm not used to having a mic in my hand, so it's hard to navigate all this. Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. So here's Paul writing to the Ephesians, and he has this moment of worship. And in that moment of worship, he has this revelation that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. How many of you can dream big? Can I see your hands? Put your hands down. God is able to do above and beyond anything you can dream or imagine. And I really felt as Hannah was speaking this morning that there may be some of you here this morning, you've had a dream that's been in your heart, 
and you've been kind of wanting it to happen, and you've been, when you've been expecting it to happen, and it hasn't happened. You kind of put that dream aside on the shelf, and you just set it aside. Every now and then you'll think about it, and you'll look, and it's still there. But you're waiting for it to happen. And I believe that the prophetic word for you this morning, based on this message that Hannah just brought, is that God wants you to worship your way to that, that dream. When Hannah had the word for uh, PJ and Kelly, it, it, the, the word was, build the room and I'll fill it. You begin to step out and worship God in this moment. And God says, that dream that you've been waiting for, it's coming. And I believe that God is getting ready to release some of those dreams into fruition, into realness. Would you just bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, how many of you would say, that really resonates, I have a dream inside of my heart, and I'm waiting for God to bring it to fruition. Can I just see your hands wherever you are? There's a dream inside of me. Guys, if you were looking around, you would see that there are so many hands that are up. And for those of you that didn't raise your hands, I believe that as you worship, God's going to give you a new dream and speak into your heart. I speak that prophetically over you, that God is getting ready to release new dreams and that God is also going to bring into fulfillment during the worship New dreams, those new dreams that God has placed in your heart, he's going to bring them into fruition. So Lord, I pray over every single person that raised their hands. Father, I pray that as they take that, that step towards you in worship, those moments where they're just worshiping, whether they're on their knees and they're crying out before you, whether they're laying prostrate on the floor, whether they're dancing prophetically, whether they're just singing or shouting or declaring your word. Father, you're going to hear that and honor it, and it's going to be a, a breaking point of breaking the stronghold that was keeping it from happening, and there's going to be a release to see. Amen, everybody. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Maybe you're here, and this is you're hearing all of this, and it's kind of new. Maybe you're not like Hannah. You didn't grow up in church, and you're not so sure about all of this. Maybe you've never had a relationship with Christ. You've never asked Him to come in and be the Lord of your life. Today is a great opportunity to take that step, to say yes to Him. One of the greatest acts of worship that you can create is when you step in front of God's presence and say, God, yes. Take my life. 100% it's yours. I feel in my heart there's some of you you've been holding back. Maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you've taken back bits and pieces of it. You've been trying to do things under your own strength and your own power. You're frustrated because it's just not working. God says, give yourself to me. That's what worship is. Give yourself to me and I'll touch your life and I'll do something amazing with the life that you give me. Fulfillment is living out our purpose before God. And God is bringing us to that point.
So if you're here and you would say, Robert, my relationship with God is not where it needs to be. Maybe you've never said yes to God before. Or maybe you have said yes and you realized you've, you've started taking back bits and pieces of your life and living it your own way. And you realize that God is calling you back. He's calling you home. If that's you, if either of those two things are, are you right now, and you say, Robert, would you pray for me? I want to get my life right with God. Could I see your hand right now just where you are? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, just hands all over. I want to just lead you in a prayer. If you would, just say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. This morning I am giving you me. And I ask you to take my life, lead me, and as best as I know how, I want to follow after you and after your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's my prayer for you this week, is that as you begin to spend time on your own in individual worship, there's going to be such a breakthrough in your life. Some of those dreams you've been holding on to, you're going to start to see come to pass. But even more so, when you come back here for corporate worship, it's going to explode. It's going to explode because you've been worshiping all week. And it's going to make a difference in your family. And it's going to make a difference in your life. It's a game changer, and I hope that you'll do that. Amen? Great job, Hannah. Thank you so much today. Before you go, hopefully some of you are going to be sticking around to stay for Growth Track, but here's our prayer. Raise your hands with me. God, I thank you for every person that's here. I pray that you bless them this week and all that they do, that you would pour your spirit out upon them. Father, give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Let your anointing be on their life, Father, that they would walk in your blessing and anointing. And Father, I pray that you would give them favor in the eyes of every person they come across. And Father, that you would give them divine opportunities to say yes to you. And Father, to, to tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.